This is episode 23 of the Lumbar Trucking Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Glad you could be here. Yes, I was able to make it out of big sky country with a big win. I was able to shave over 20 minutes off my Austin marathon time. I ran Austin in five hours and 28 or 27 minutes. I was able to walk out of Missoula in five hours, four minutes and 58 seconds. Now, I've spoken to a lot of runners, and they tell me that as long as you keep at it, you can keep getting better at running well into your 40s and 50s. Like I said, we don't have any goals here. We're just going to the wheels fall off. But hopefully next go around, we can crack that five-hour mark. Here came the tough part, getting the hell out of Montana. I knew going up there, I would get a good payday. Reason being, a lot of stuff from my region of the country. You know, that Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Kansas, Missouri. A lot of stuff that comes out of there that goes to regions like the Northeast, Florida, Pacific Northwest, California. Problem is, there's just not a lot of stuff, at least for the freight I haul, that comes back to that part of the country. So... I got down, I started doing some research, started reaching out to brokers, talking to other owner-operators, getting on Facebook, going into Facebook groups. General consensus was, hey man, I've come to this part of the country before, I've had to drive empty from here back to here, and that's the only thing that got me back to going to where I needed to go. So Monday morning, day after the marathon, I made the business decision I was gonna drive back the way I came, go all the way back across Montana, 550 miles to Belfush, South Dakota so I could live to fight another day. Got to take the good out of it though. Two good things are at least I was empty so I'm getting better fuel mileage, 10 miles a gallon. When I got back to Belfort, the fuel going up there was 588 at this same fuel stop on my way back. Fuel was 544 so I'm not sure what happened. Something with diesel fuel prices, maybe with the fuel tax. I haven't looked too much into it. Regardless, I'm not complaining. So Got on the load boards early Tuesday morning, refresh, 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 looking, looking. I need to get back to Texas. I haven't been to the house in a month. I got to watch the dog this weekend. Got one of my favorite holidays coming up. So it's not like I'm just looking for, you know, my next load. It's I need to specifically get back to Texas because there's a, there was a lot of stuff around Missoula where I, you could bump around regionally and make some okay coin, uh, stuff that goes back to Tacoma and back to Spokane and to Fresno, Bakersfield area, California, to Oregon, but I, I'm not sticking around regionally, and fuel prices are high up there. Needed to get back to Texas, and I was even willing to take the hit by going back to Dallas or Houston and then just driving empty back home from there. Finally hit refresh. I saw that there was a load picking up 15 minutes from where I was parked in Colony, Wyoming, and it's delivering 15 minutes from where I live in New Braunfels, Texas. Not unfamiliar territory either. I'm going... I'm actually currently at the Walmart DC in New Braunfels, where I used to pull a lot of Walmart trailers out of, and that is where I'm at now recording this podcast to you. Okay, moving on from that, there have been a lot of stuff going on these past few weeks in the news and media and stuff, and I kind of wanted to tell this story. Now, I've had a lot of fear of judgment regarding telling this story. But at this point in my life and career, I don't care about fear of judgment anymore. I let that dominate and conquer my 20s. But why I had fear of judgment going into this episode was because of where I'm trying to go with content. I didn't want this to cost me listeners, possibly cost me friends. But then I just came to the realization again, after a little internal dialogue, that if you don't want to listen anymore after hearing this, that's your problem. And if you don't want to associate with me anymore after listening to this, that is also your problem. The story I wanted to tell is how I got back to Christianity. And to do that, I need to start right from the beginning. So I'm somebody who was raised Catholic, 
went to Catholic high school, confirmed in the Catholic Church. But on December 21st, 2010, I lost one of my very good friends, Billy Krause, in a roadside bomb attack near the Kajaki Dam in the Helmand province of Afghanistan. It was a day I remember very vividly, where I don't need to go into any details about that day. It was a day I had to wake up and a day I had to grow up. But it was also a day where a lot of my personal beliefs that I had from growing up started to get ripped apart. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, not that much long after, in 2012, that all fell apart completely. I lost faith in God, lost faith in all religion. And I spent the next 10 years of my life facing an identity crisis full of fear and guilt and anxiety and all this stuff. And my beliefs were reaffirmed every year because I kept losing friends to drugs and suicide and alcohol. And I said, see, look, look at all the suffering going on. Look at all the, the loss and all the bad things. If there was such a good God, how can he let this happen? And then I got married. I got married on September 21st, 2019. And shortly after coming back from our honeymoon, I had this feeling in my gut. And it wasn't fear. It wasn't anxiety. It was almost like an instinct, something that got me excited, like I was ready to be a husband, ready to advance in my life and career so I could start a family and have a house and all that stuff. And that's exactly what we did. We started to pool our resources together to make the move to Texas. I started doing some uh, real uh, internal reflection to figure out what I wanted to do in my life and in my career. We manifested this whole thing. We got ourselves out to Texas. And then people started entering our lives and who these people were and how they entered our lives. I feel as though just was it is too good to be just some sort of accident. And then I started trucking and I went over the road and that's when the perspective really started to sit in. When you go coast to coast, border to border, you really get your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the world, how people feel, how people act, what gives them their next breath. You learn. That's what I was doing. I was learning. And you can go back to when I got back from my honeymoon. I'd like to say I started listening again. It's when I opened up my ears. And so while I was over the road, I had this feeling of spirituality and just, I wanted to keep learning and keep listening. So eventually I got more curious. I said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm interested in going back and listening at a church. So I went to a non-denominational Christian church in Joplin, Missouri, and I was immediately welcomed into this community. And I had this, you know, and I felt this sense of community that I've kind of yearned for. And I feel like a lot of millennials and people our generation have yearned for this sense of community. And that's why a lot of people from our generation have moved back into cities, but that's a different conversation. And I was welcomed in and these people are, oh, you know, it's so great that you're here. Can I buy you dinner? We're having a social. You're gonna be around next week, blah, blah, blah. It was, you know, it was absolutely amazing. And then this pastor, this guy gets up there and all he does is give this awesome life advice based off of the shit Jesus was talking about in the gospels. And I was like, this just makes fucking sense. And so as time went on, I kept going. I went to a place in Ohio, Arkansas, California, places throughout the country, listening, listening to the positive messages from all these people, meeting these great people, positive people. It was having a positive impact on my life. And so this year I decided, you know what? I want to let Jesus back into my life, let him back in my heart. And since doing that, it's just been so fulfilling. It has been awesome. Now, where I had the fear of judgment going into this was 
was because of that 10 years I spent in my identity crisis full of fear and doubt and guilt and anxiety, where I used to scorn all this and say, look at all the suffering. But then I, it just comes with growing up and then it comes with learning that when it comes to all this suffering, when it comes to all these issues out there in the world, they are all man-made, therefore can be solved by man. It is not up to God or Jesus or him or whatever religion you believe in. It's not up to the creator, wherever you're at and your beliefs. It is up to us to fix these problems. Now, with it being said, with me putting myself out there and making myself a little vulnerable and telling you that I've come back to Christianity, what else does that mean? I could tell you it doesn't mean what you think it means. And yes, I'm talking about the recent Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. I think it's a bad idea and I do not agree with it. Now, when I was 19 years old, hoeing it around in Myrtle Beach, I used to be the guy saying, you should get a punch card at Planned Parenthood. Get nine, get your 10th free. I've since grown up. I don't think that way anymore. I've lived and learned, seen friends go through miscarriages, seen friends struggle to get pregnant. I've come to appreciate life. So I consider myself personally pro-life. If we get pregnant now, of course, we would not terminate. We're going to bring the most badass child into this world, and I'm going to raise the next president. But it is not my place to tell other people what to do, and I will always personally believe it's not the government's place to tell people to do that as well. Now, I'm going to have people tell me, well, you're a Christian. You can't be pro-choice. You know, the fact that you um, are okay with it means you're just as condemned as the people who commit abortion. Well, I hate to break this one to you. You're just as complicit in murder for paying federal taxes that went towards uh, bombs that dropped on brown people's head. Oh, you didn't have a choice in that matter. I didn't have a choice in whether or not somebody got an abortion either, but guess that's the conundrum we're in at this point. And I mentioned fear and fear of judgment earlier in this episode. When it comes to judgment, the only judgment that matters, the only opinion that matters is that of God's. Yours of me, irrelevant. The Supreme Court's opinions and all their law expertise doesn't matter. It's only God's that matters. So when it comes my time and trumpets sound, I will have this conversation. I will be judged by God just like everyone else. And all in all, I personally think that this whole decision to overturn Roe v. Wade was almost by design because we're getting to the point in this country where people on both sides were actually starting to agree on stuff. Democrats are trying to hold Biden accountable for his failed and lack of leadership. They realize Kamala Harris sucks and has been a ghost ever since Biden won the presidency. They're realizing that inflation is a problem. People are really suffering now. And people were actually starting to come together on that from both sides. But you know what? When that starts to happen, guess it? They start smelling it. Once they start smelling a little bit of unity, they need to drop the bomb. And that's exactly what happened. Boom! Supreme Court decision, overturn Roe v. Wade, immediate line in the sand drawn, let's polarize him again. Pretty, pretty funny how that works. You know, couldn't happen last year, had to happen right now. Midterm elections coming up, Biden fucking blows. So yeah, I think a little bit of it could be by design. That's me with my tinfoil hat a little bit. Now, another thing I'll never quite understand is how people, let alone Christians, for some reason, fear or hate gay people. And that's just something you're never going to see out of me. 
since moving to Texas, one of my best friends down here happens to be gay, and I'd say they've probably been the biggest influence on me getting back on the Jesus wagon. And the argument is always, well, the Bible says it's a sin. And, of course, they're referring to Leviticus and this old Hebrew and Levitical law. And to that I say, okay, if you're going to picket the pride parade, why are you not picketing Red Lobster? How have you not scorned all of your friends and family who has ever worked on a Sunday? Also, let's not forget that it was this old Hebrew law and tradition that condemned Jesus to death, not Roman law. So uh, I just don't believe that those are the morals that we need to carry with us throughout the rest of time. Like I just said moments ago, when it comes to judgment, it's God's job, not ours. Our job, especially as Christians, is to live by the teachings of Jesus. And I seem to remember one specific one that says to love one another as I have loved you. I don't remember seeing any commas, ifs, ands, buts, or asterisks. It seems like a pretty simple and sound piece of advice. Now with that, there are a lot of people out there who are angry and blaming the overturning of Roe v. Wade and homophobia on Christian nationalism, or another new word I heard of, Christo-fascism. And to that I say you sound exactly like the people who blame Islam for certain problems out there in the world. To fully group sects of people together and to blame it on them actually inflates the problem and makes it far, far worse. There's a quote that I kind of want to leave you with on this subject, and it's from one of my favorite philosophers, Frederick Nietzsche, who says, whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. And if you gaze long enough into the abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. Heavy stuff, I know, but that'll do it for the God Talk. Let's wrap this thing up. Guys, July 4th is coming up. This is one of my favorite holidays, and I've been getting sucked down the social media algorithms of negativity, and I know that there are a lot of people out there who are genuinely upset about the recent Supreme Court decision. There are people who are genuinely upset with the current state of affairs with our government and the economy, and they're going online saying July 4th is canceled, and I'm not celebrating July 4th, and I found that now is a good time to remind everybody what July 4th is actually all about and where it is considered America's birthday. What July 4th is actually supposed to be is a celebration for your disdain of your government, not your love for it. You see, the Founding Fathers penned and signed the Declaration of Independence as a huge middle finger towards their government. They celebrated their disdain for how their government was treating them. That alone, for me, is enough reason to celebrate and get absolutely hammered this Monday. So you guys go out there. Have a happy 4th of July. I can't wait to talk to you on the other side of the holiday. Have fun out there. And in the meantime, never forget that if you ever want to talk, I'll be here.